Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Blessed are those who feel the world's sin and sorrow. This is the very opposite of the Hindu and Buddhist ideal of being unaffected and aloof in spirit. Christianity engages us in the sorrows and trials and tribulations of our world. When we see all of man's inhumanity to man and we see all of the crimes that are committed, our hearts are moved. Are we affected by the evil in the world? It can be far too easy to isolate ourselves in our peaceful little bubble and not concern ourselves with the constant trouble the rest of the world faces on a daily basis. Pastor Ed reminds us in today's message to look beyond our own selves and not only to see the problems in the world, but actually let them affect us. Let them bring us sorrow. Let them cut deep into our souls. Only then will we begin to yearn for a change, for a savior, to end the chaos. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 4, for his continuing study entitled, Those Who Mourn. Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn. I believe it's because we're mourning over our poverty of spirit. Out of the poverty of spirit, out of someone who recognizes, I need God. I'm dependent on Him. Without Him, I can do nothing. Out of this sense of spiritual poverty grows a mourning over one's sins. We mourn over our sins. 2 Corinthians 7.10 reads, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrows bring death. Godly sorrow. Think about the sins you've committed since you've been saved. Sins against the Savior's love. Sins past and present. Think about the inconsistencies of your life. We often say one thing and do another thing. We often hold this ideal up but really live on this plane over here. One day we can be headed full steam ahead for God And the next week, we languish in our commitment to him. Sometimes we're so inconsistent. Think about the coldness or the hardness of your heart. It sometimes takes a spiritual earthquake to wake some people up. It takes someone with skill and ability to sometimes capture people's attention rather than their hearts already being in touch with God and hungry for God. It takes all of these externals to gather their attention. How cold and hard our hearts are at times. How many of us can look back and if you're like me, you say, you know, I should be much further. I should have progressed much further in my Christian walk than I have. We can look at ourselves. And if we're poor in spirit, we recognize, Oh, Lord, I should be so much further along in you. Perhaps God gives you a glimpse of your own frailty and weaknesses, your self-knowledge. 
The depravity of your own heart should drive you to your knees and should cause you to mourn. When Jesus said, blessed are those that mourn, he's thinking about those who have recognized that they're just beggars at heaven's gates. In Psalm 38, verse 18, it reads, For I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. Sunday school teacher said in class, Who can define repentance? A young boy replied, Repentance means being sorry for sin. Yes, said the teacher. And then a little girl raised her hand and she said, Well, doesn't it mean sorry enough to stop? The psalmist said, I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. I wrote down, be thankful for sacred sorrow. It is God's powerful instrument for creating holy character. Do you feel sacred sorrow? Are there times within the church that we sense the holiness of God? and the sinfulness of our own heart, and we come with tears and weep our way to God, not only sorrow for our own sins, but also we mourn over other people's sins. In Psalm 119, verse 136, it reads, Rivers of water run down from mine eyes, because men do not keep your law. Christianity doesn't isolate us from the world, but it gives us greater compassion for the world we live in. For a believer, we're grieved by the sin that's in our culture. We don't delight in it. We don't take part in it. It hurts our heart when we see a world going astray. When we see men calling right wrong and wrong right when they take the name of Jesus our Savior in vain it's like a knife stabbed through our hearts we mourn over the sin of the world E. Stanley Jones a great missionary years ago to India said this blessed are those who feel the world's sin and sorrow this is the very opposite of the Hindu and Buddhist ideal of being unaffected and aloof in spirit. Christianity engages us in the sorrows and trials and tribulations of our world. When we see all of man's inhumanity to man and we see all of the crimes that are committed, our hearts are moved. Now, most people are too selfish to be affected by the problems of the world around us. Most of us, we need to grow more. Little child was in a terrible train wreck, and her mother shielded her from that train wreck. She was just a small, small child. Her mother lost her life in the train wreck. When the rescuers came, They took the child out of the mother's arms and the child was still gleeful and happy. And then they took a candy bar out of that child's hand that the child had and all of a sudden the child began to wail and cry. Well, that child was too young to understand death and the loss of her mother. But she understood the loss of that candy bar. 
How much of our sorrow is really a worthy sorrow? I remember my home church pastor, Brother Greco, praying and then preaching and weeping as he would preach to the congregation. McChain was a great preacher that influenced the British Isle. And he died at a very young age. But he was anointed by God deeply. And a young preacher came to visit the church where he pastored. And the sexton let him into the church. And he began to inquire. He said, well, tell me about Robert McChain. Tell me about his preaching. He said, come here, son. And he took him to a small office and a wooden desk. And there were still some of McChain's books left on the desk. He said, now here, sit at this chair. Now uh, put your elbows on the desk. Put your head into your hands. And now weep. Now come with me to his podium. Uh, Put your... Elbows on the pulpit. Now put your face in your hands. And now let the tears flow. I have to ask myself, I have to ask you, do we weep over the lost? Do we see the reality of their lostness? They're headed in blindness off a precipice into eternal damnation forever and ever. There ought to be sorrow in our hearts for those that know Christ not, for the sin of our world. Paul wept over the church. Jeremiah wept over the nation. Jesus, when he viewed Jerusalem, began to weep over Jerusalem. God, give us tears so that we might weep over those that don't know Christ, over the sin in our own heart and the sin in our culture. There ought to be joy in the church, but there ought to also be times of weeping. Chuck Colson, in his book, Who Speaks for God, tells about the Nuremberg trials for war war criminals. A man by the name of Demore was one of the men who was in concentration camp and he was on 60 Minutes when Mike Wallace interviewed him. And they showed a clip where Demore went in and Adolf Eichmann was being tried. And as soon as Demore went in, all of a sudden he began to show all of this emotion. He began to sob uncontrollably. Then he fainted. And the presiding judge uh, just pounded his gavel to get order back. Was Demur overcome by hatred, fear, or horrid memories? Asked Coulson, who then answers the question. No, it was none of these. Rather, as Demur explained to Wallace, all at once he realized Eichmann was not the godlike army officer who had sent so many to their deaths. This Eichmann was an ordinary man. He said, I was afraid about myself, said Demur. I saw that I am capable to do this. I am exactly like 
he. Wallace summarized De Moore's terrible discovery. He said, Eichmann is in all of us. When we begin to understand our heart and we see the sin of our world and we recognize what's out there, there's this deep sorrow for sin. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. There are none of us who are beyond the worst of us. And so that should produce in us this sense of deep repentance. Now we've looked at the mourning we experience. We ought to look at the comfort we experience. In Matthew 5, 4 it reads, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The tears of repentance are the pathway into the heart of God. God responds to a repentant heart. He responds to tears wept over the right thing for the right cause. I have found that as I've grown older, and maybe some of you have found this experience as well, that it's easier to cry. I, I see the commercials on television sometimes. Cinema therapy. Well, I, I guess they're trying to say, watch this story and, you know, have a catharsis experience and weep over it some. Or I think about God's therapy for us. He's given us tear ducts, the ability to weep. And somehow in that weeping over our own sinful state and weeping over the sins of others, there is a, a purifying effect on our own lives. God, give us tears to weep so that the windows of our soul will be clear and we can see you. We are comforted by forgiveness. I believe when we weep over our sins, you know the experience. You felt it. When you've sinned and you've failed God, and then when you've come back to him and repentance, and you know that you know that you know that everything's just right between you and him. Supernaturally communicated to your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit is that divine comfort that God has heard your prayer for forgiveness. James, in chapter 4, 8 and 9 says... Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. There ought to be times of deep repentance in our lives. The times of deep repentance ought to grow with our progression in faith. I remember when I came and received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior at an altar. And I wept and I accepted him. But I have to tell you that through those 30 plus years, there have been times of even deeper repentance as God has shown me my heart. Luther, Martin Luther, in his first of 95 theses, 
that he hammered to the church door said that life ought to be one continual repentance. I'm paraphrasing his words. One continual life of repentance. The depth of your sorrow will be the measure of your joy. When I went to Brownsville years ago, as they were in the midst of revival, I sat in various places in the congregation. They were packed. And one time I sat in the very back and top of the balcony. And there I saw young people. They weren't passing notes or talking to one another. But all of a sudden they would weep and began to cry and trembled in the presence of the Lord. And as I saw that, I also saw a paradox. Great joy and great peace. I don't know how it is, but it happens. We mourn over our sins, but yet we have joy unspeakable. And unless we mourn over our sins, there will not be joy unspeakable in our hearts. And God comes to those who mourn, who deeply repent over their sins. I remember reading a story. I can't remember who exactly they were, but they were two politicians. And they were brought before their peers because both of them were involved in immorality. Uh, one had committed sexual act with a young boy, and he was a man. And the other one had committed adultery with a, a teenage girl. And they both were brought before their peers. And the man who had committed adultery with this girl stood up and he repented. He said, I'm sorry. He said, and he voted against himself to remove himself from office. The other man stood up and defended his homosexuality. And he defended what he did. And the newspaper commentator said... That second one really shows you a difference in attitudes. And he was commenting how hardened that man's heart was. How hard, how soft, how responsive are you are to the finger of God when he points to you your sinfulness, when he shows to you your own heart. Do the fountain of tears flow during moves of the Holy Spirit during times of revival people are deeply convicted of their sins and there's that response of weeping and crying I believe that why many churches many pastors they won't preach on sin and if you preach on sin and you step on people's feet they suddenly become offended and they put the walls up. God, give us a hunger for the truth. A willingness to hear a smarting word to bring us to this altar. Because if you weep now, you will not have to weep in eternity. The second and final thing is we're comforted not only by our forgiveness but by our future in Revelation 7, 17, it says, And God will wipe away every tear 
from their eyes. I believe that Pentecostalism has lost something. Our early churches and fathers focused a lot on heaven. And their mindset was, we'll be rewarded over there. And I believe they were right. Because if you look at the promises of God, most of them are not fulfilled here. Ask the martyrs. Go into Hebrews chapter 11. Ask the men and women of faith. See, we live not for this present world, but rather for a world to come. And our reward is there. Picture two men working. They're in a a job. They're not getting very much at all. And their working circumstances are absolutely deplorable. Maybe they get $7 an hour, whatever the minimum wage is. But one of those men has been promised at the end of the year he's going to get a $10 million bonus. Now that's going to affect everything he does. Both of them have the same grimy job. Both of them are in the same circumstances. One's grumbling, one's complaining, but the other one, he could endure it because he's thinking about that bonus at the end of the year. We're looking for eternity. We're looking for our reward there. One day, the Bible says that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our mindset must be on things above. Our citizenship is in heaven. And as Paul said in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The church was so effective in earlier days because they had this mindset, someday I'll be rewarded. Someday I'll be on the other side with my Savior. And we need to pull back. That's not a pie-in-the-sky theology. It's a truth. The psalmist said, He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. God, give us tears. And I can promise you this on the authority of his word, that there will also be comfort. The great consoler, Jesus who comes, according to Isaiah 61, to bound up the brokenhearted, who will come into your prayer closet with healing and with wholeness and with help. Paul said it this way, and I wrap up the message with this verse. 2 Corinthians 6.10, as sorrowful, yet always Rejoicing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that mourn, for they, they shall be comforted. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from the Gospel of Matthew and Pastor Ed's in-depth study of the Beatitudes. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select Today's Date from the Voice of Faith Media Player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. We'd also like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Beatitudes right here on Voice of Faith.